Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we're back. Poke the Bear Podcast, Episode 5. I think this is our third week doing this. Yes. All for it. Yes. Great, great. Great thing. Uh, I am Evan Marinovsky alongside host Connor Ryan. Connor, how we doing? I gotta be honest with you, Evan. I'm a little stressed out because, uh, last time we talked, it was before, uh, game seven between the Celtics and the Raptors. I was pretty nervous. Of course, the Celtics end up winning, which is great, but I kind of put myself into a corner here because I said that I was going to eat a full St. Louis style pizza. The Celtics ended up winning the game. And uh, uh, I, I think I'm screwed, man. Like, I'm trying to find – like, there's ways for you to actually – like, technology these days, right? You can actually order, like, a St. Louis-style pizza from St. Louis, and they'll send it up to you. But, like, it costs, like, 55 bucks to do it. And, you know, on top of that, it's a really shitty piece of pizza. So I'm, uh, I'm kind of stressed out about, one, you know, forking over the money to do this, and then, two, eating uh, just, uh, just a terrible concoction – that they, they brewed down there in St. Louis. You should feed it to your Roomba. That is true. Yeah, that's one. You know what? Maybe I'll do that instead. But see, that makes it even worse that I'm also dropping like 50 bucks and like, I'm just going to feed it to my like robotic vacuum cleaner. Which, yeah, but for the Twitter fund, for the for the video on Twitter, that, that, dude, would, that it, would be. It would be great. But, but, but the problem is, is like it would probably break the Roomba because like I don't know if you're well versed in just how how awful St. Louis style pizza. Like, I mean, going, I'm actually not. I'm yeah, not that well-versed in this. I mean, field. you know, they don't got a lot going for themselves down there in St. Louis. We learned that from the from the cup final. They got, like, toasted ravioli and shit like that. But it's legitimately, if you took, like, you know, like those Celeste pizzas you get at, like, Market Basket that you, you yes, microwave? Yeah, Celeste. Yeah, yeah. It's like that, but, like, worse. But you're paying more for, like, a premium-style pizza. It's like if you took, like, <sighs> a First Communion wafer and, like like, just, like, pound it into dust and then put some like ragu on top of it. That's what it is. And you pay like, like, you know, 14 bucks for a large one of those. It is, I can't tell you how horrible this friggin' pizza is. And hey, don't you, disres- don't you disrespect communion like that. But that is, that's disgusting. That's disgusting. I mean, St. Louis has the arch. They have an arch. Isn't that's that crazy. Cool, I guess. Is, isn't that like, so stupid though? No, but like, isn't the St. Louis arch really dumb? Like, it's just an arch that they built. Yeah. Like, you go there, and then you, like, actually, the first time you see it, you're like, oh, that's kind of neat. It's, like, kind of bigger than I thought it was. And then, like, the three seconds pass, you're like, all right, what's next? Oh, I have shitty pizza to eat? All right, well, I guess this city kind of sucks. And it's like, you know, I mean, granted, we have Plymouth Rock. It's not near nearly as iconic as the arch. Of but course. Like, but it's kind of the same effect. Like, you see these things and go, well, uh, 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 nice. Uh, 
that's the thing, right? Is like at least Boston, you know, we got like some like obviously we got touristy stuff, but like you know, if you go to Plymouth, like you got to really commit to it, and like you go then disappointed. Like St. Louis, it's like no, we're gonna market the fact that we just have really shitty pizza and the arch, and that's all we've got. Like if you want to, you know, go be adventurous in the Commonwealth and go to Plymouth Rock or go up to like friggin' Salem and like look at like a bunch of wax figures at a, a witch museum, have at it. Like it's not really that fun, but at least you can like do more stuff in the city that's not staring at a notch and then getting you Celeste pizza. It, yeah. St. Louis, to, I have no interest in ever going to St. Louis. Like, yeah, there's no like great. desire for me to go there. Yeah. Ever, not except much. for the cup final last year and that ship has sailed. So uh, the mama Celeste pizza thing, because I'm not a huge Celeste fan. That's like a very drunk pizza. Throw yeah. it in the microwave for, or not the microwave. Yeah. The, the microwave. For oh little. yeah. Dude, you just nuke it. Yeah, you just like throw on high. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what that's what they do out in St. Louis too. And like again, Jason Tatum, like actually, I think has a sponsorship deal with like one of the like bigger St. Louis style pizza chains out in St. Louis. That's why I said it. But now I regret it because like, I mean, there's like an app that literally like you can order stuff from like you know you can like get like a, a deep dish pizza from Chicago and they'll legitimately ship it to you in Massachusetts. Why? I don't know. Cause also deep dish pizza sucks, but like, it's not even friggin' pizza, dude. It's no, it's like, oh, a, no, it's wrong. a cheesy casserole. Good. You even go to like, you know, Uno's and like Wuben and have that and you have it and you have one bite and you feel like shit. It's not pizza. Oh, I see. Just, I don't like, mind oh, this is, it. This is uh, very quickly going downhill into a straight up like pizza discussion, which I'm fine with. We're in the off season. We got to do that what is we the can. Off season. We have to. We have to do what I can to to you know keep this podcast rolling. However, oh, I disagree, man. Deep, deep dish, dish pizza sucks. You're wrong. Deep dish is very good. The tomato, the deepness of it. Is no, dude, bite. it sucks. I don't oh. want any – no, if I'm describing, like, what I want at a restaurant, deep should not be what I want. It's like a – I want something that tastes good, which deep dish does not. It does. You're it wrong. Does not. It no, tastes it's great. Oh. And I'm totally with you on every other kind of pizza, but deep dish is – I love deep dish. Uh, how about not this? above, like, Regina's, but I do love Oh, of course not. We should like to – how about I'll get my St. Louis-style pizza, I'll feed it to the Roomba, and you can order, like, like a Lou Malinati's, like, deep dish pizza from Chicago. I, I'm we'll bored. That. That'll be, that'll be our it. next week episode. We'll just be live streaming eating pizza and just being miserable about it. Well, well, you might be happy. I'll, I will be miserable. I might be happy, but uh, you obviously, as you said, might be miserable. Okay. So let's talk Bruins because that's what we're here to do. Yes, uh, this is um, a Bruins podcast. This I guess. is a poke poke the pizza podcast. I guess. Yes. Um, presented by BetUS. Hopefully, you guys got, maybe got hungry from that pizza segment. Who knows? Uh, but so uh, Monday night, twenty twenty came to a peak when Anton Hudobin, Tyler Sagan, and the Dallas Stars punched their ticket to the Stanley Cup Finals, beating the Golden Knights in five games. Five games! The Vegas Golden Knights, who are my, were my pick to come out of the West, very good team, very deep, like a deep dish pizza. Oh, there you go. Keeping it keeping it all Bruins-centric. But, ended, but it ended up being very shitty, like a St. Louis-style Yeah, and there's how I don't help my argument. Yeah. But nonetheless, uh, the, the Stars uh, overcome all the odds. And they are now in the Stanley Cup final. Now, one thing we know about the NHL is it's a very copycat league. Um, last year, the Blues were a bigger, more physical team. They won the Cup. And a lot of teams, you know, tried to institute that into their, you know, game plan. Hey, let's get a little bigger. The Bruins tried it with Nick Ritchie. So, you know, 
it's a copycat league. So you had a great piece this morning or Tuesday morning uh, for Boston Sports Journal titled uh, what lessons uh, the Bruins can learn from the stars going into the Stanley Cup final. And I will turn this over to you to sort of gloss over what some of those lessons may be. Yeah. I mean, I think kind of the first one that kind of stands out to me is just the way Dallas is kind of, uh, you know, built their roster and kind of their, their foundation of how they kind of build out from it. I think it kind of starts with them and granted, yes, we, we look at the the run Dallas has had and a lot of it, you can trace back to the play of Anton Hudobin and net, which is a big, big key in it. But you kind of look at, you know, their strengths and what they rely on to get through kind of the grind of the postseason, And they kind of remind me a little bit of St. Louis where, you know, it's, you build this, you know, imposing, uh, you know, talented uh, defensive core that you can roll out there for, you know, every single guy can log, you know, 20 plus minutes a night and they do a great job at both, um, you know, keeping the opposing team to the outside and really limiting the amount of grade A chances you have in front of your goalie, which you look at kind of how Jordan Bennington rolled through that postseason last year that helped him out quite a bit compared to how he played this postseason. Right. And then I think, you know, again, granted, you know, Hudobin's been fantastic for, for Dallas, but he's also been helped out by a lot from a, a decor that's pretty similar to St. Louis and that, you know, you've got obviously Dallas has a ton of skill back there too, right? Like not to take away, they're not like a bunch of goons out there, like knocking everyone around. Right. It's not like, you know, Robert Bertuzzo or those guys with St. Louis, like, you know, Mero Haskinen is, you know, people talk about uh, Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr and those guys, but Haskinen's, I mean, right up there, he's got like, 22 oh, yeah. points this postseason. He's fantastic. So, I mean, you got him, you got John Klingberg, got two great skilled puck moving guys, but also have a good amount of size too. I think Haskinen's six one. Klingberg's like six three, I think. Six three. Yeah. Um, but then you look at, they're also complemented by, uh, you know, a lot of other bigger guys that can handle those, you know, heavy minutes. So like Jamie Alexiak, who, is six seven two fifty five. Like he's one of the few guys who will actually drop the gloves with a guy like Chara and he even had like a, you know, like a couple of breakaways earlier in this series. So, you know, he's been active. Asa Lindell is like six three two fifteen. So I think you look at the way uh, Dallas is built, you can draw a lot of similarities between them and St. Louis and that, you know, they obviously have had a lot of other guys step up, which you need during this postseason. But um you look at their strengths and I think a lot of it kind of comes from just building that, you know, versatile, uh, deep decor that, you know, has a lot of bigger bodies that are kind of, you know, catered to the way this postseason is kind of set up. And you look at kind of the Bruins, it's, you know, you hope that they they want to kind of follow that, that kind of trajectory that kind of, you know, set up in terms of their roster where it's like, you know, hopefully, and then, you know, as soon as next year, McAvoy is kind of that, you know, viewed as that Haskin and like a guy who's going to, you know, log the most minutes, but also is key at moving the puck and generating offense. And then you hope like, you know, a guy like Kahlo delves more into a shutdown role. And, but, you know, this could be an opportunity for the Bruins, especially if Tory Krug ends up walking where, you know, they at least have some cap flexibility or they've got, um, you know, some assets available to trade if they want to augment some of that decor a little bit, maybe add a little bit of a, a bigger presence or, you know, if they trade for, let's say a top four guy to replace Krug, you get a guy who's maybe more catered to the kind of defense you've seen from a team like St. Louis or Dallas over the last two postseasons. So I think that's one thing that especially kind of stands out for me in terms of how that Dallas team is constructed. You know, it's, you've got a good hot goalie in net that's been fantastic during this postseason, but 
they've also aided by the fact they've got this stout decor that, you know, can carry you through a couple of these pretty tough series. So that's sort of, you, you hit on it perfectly with crew potentially probably walking, you know, the past two years have proven you can't have more than one of these smaller defensemen. You know, I know, and you can, I mean, they they get to the Stanley Cup final on it, Mm -hmm. but when you go up against these bigger teams, you need to win these puck battles. We saw it against the lightning. The Bruins were not winning the puck battles in the corners on their own end uh, with ease or very easily at all. They do need to get bigger on the back end. And I don't mean like goonish, as you said, you don't need to be goons, but you need people who are six, one, six, two, two way threats. And I think, this offseason, you have the chance to do that. Like, you legitimately have the space. You could trade someone. You could absolutely add someone like that to your top four because, you know, as we've said many times, as currently constructed, your top four is probably Grizzly, McAvoy, Carlo, and who? Yeah. Get bigger on that left side. Get a bigger guy. Now, you have Char on the third pair most likely. but uh, And Carlo's big. You know, I mean, he plays big, but he's not heavy. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't yeah. say he plays doesn't have very really heavy. like a, a, a snarl to his game, which maybe no. I think it develops a bit more, but you know, he's not like a, uh, you know, compare him to like even like a Lindell or one of these guys who he's 6'3, a little bit smaller, but plays a little bit more, you know, physical or, you know, is willing to mix it up after the whistle, stuff like that. You don't really see Kylo do that too much unless he's trying to drop the gloves with like Sorelli as he saw in that Tampa series, but yeah. But so now I think the, the Bruins have this opportunity to go out and actually get someone to sort of go along with a now two year thing. That's been pretty consistent with these Stanley cup winners is that a perfect blend of big and puck movers on defense. Now that's not easy to achieve. It, right. It's not, I mean, right now the Bruins two best puck movers are under six feet um, on defense. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not exactly easy to find uh, these guys. I mean, you have McAvoy outside of that, not really anyone above right. six feet. McAvoy plays heavy, but he's not too big. Mm-hmm. Um, so this seems to be working. This seems to be, it's not like, you know, the, the, the blues hard nose style, you know, that, ha- that's sort of kind of, I need a bit of flash in the pan, but the, the, the plan on defense isn't. And I think that's something the Bruins should follow. And well, you said and, that now. And the, but al- also like, you know, I think you could also say that Tampa's kind of cut from the same cloth too. And that's someone that the Bruins should emulate in that. Yeah, like, you know, Haskinen and Klingberg, they've got their puck movers and guys on off, on defense that can generate offense, like, you know, Hedman, obviously, but like Sergachev's another guy who's a, you know, offense, you know, first kind of defenseman, but they also just have bigger guys back there that, you know, can log those minutes. Like McDonough's the obvious guy, but Chernak's a big dude. And again, the, the Bruins didn't really play against McDonough that much in that series, but who did they bring in? They brought in like these tough physical guys Bogosian. like Coburn. Yeah. I mean, Bogosian, Braden Coburn, like Luke Shen. And they did what they're supposed to do, which is kept the Bruins to the outside. So you just stock up on a few of those guys further down the, you know, the depth chart and, you know, either they're pressed into a role or they're, you know, logging minutes on a third pairing. Like there's value there, especially when you get to the playoffs. It's funny. Um, you mentioned that you mentioned Hedman and Hedman reminds me sort of of an, in his prime Chara. You know, those 2011, that that time in Bruins history that we always look back on, the Bruins need enforcer, that kind of stems from it. But that, you know, they were a bigger decor. They were physical. They kept you at the outside. Now, the league's much different now, so it's, it's hard to compare the two times, even though it's only been like nine years. But it has, it's much different. 
But, I mean, you do need – sometimes you do need size on defense. You need guys who aren't going to get pushed around. Um, and that seems to be what the MO around the league is, and the Bruins don't really have that right now. Um, and you're seeing it. And so the other thing that's funny with the Stars, now we love this, Anton Hudobin being a starter in the Stanley Cup final, which is just the greatest thing maybe ever. Um, Hudobin is in the Stanley Cup final. Proves that hot goaltending in the postseason is really kind of a crapshoot. Yeah, I, I think you look at just this entire status team in general, and um, you know, in my, in my column, you know, I break down a couple of different things, but I kind of end with the fact that, you know, once you get you know, punch a ticket to the playoffs, um, it's you've got as much of a fair shot as everyone else who's in that in that kind of final bracket there for the cup. And you look at Dallas, right? Like I think, you know, before the before the pause, they I think had lost six games in a row. Like they were they were kind of spiraling out. They weren't really viewed as a favorite going into it because, you know, they had a really good defense, uh, you know, good good tandem and net with Bishop and Hudobin but weren't really scoring goals. And then you get to the playoffs and I mean, what do you know? Like you you lose Bishop for most of it. Hudobin's leading the way. He's got a 950 save percentage against Vegas, a team that can score in bunches. Um, and it seems like just everything has kind of gone their way, right? Like they've got younger guys breaking out and contributing. I mean, you know, they bring in that, you know, Yol uh, Kinvrata kid who I think played like, 11 games in the NHL this year. He's not even like a regular starter. They bring him in for game seven against Colorado, a team that I think a lot of people thought was going to go pretty far. And he scores a frigging hat trick, including the OT winner. Like that's just, you know, that's like if they just brought in like Stanika, who, you know, we, I think a lot of people are high on, but I don't think you're expecting him to score a hat trick in a, a clinching game. Right. Um, that's just kind of the way it's gone for them. And again, it's, Sometimes you just need guys to go on hot streaks. Like, I mean, you look last year at how much that coil line clicking, how much that contributes. So it's, you kind of just look at the way some of these teams are built and everyone has a, a good shot once you get to the playoffs. So I think for the Bruins, you know, it's, you can do everything you can to put this team over the top, which I think they should do. You know, I think they have the assets and they have the urgency to do that, which helps your case out rather than, you know, just rolling back the same team and hoping maybe the, a puck will fall your way this time, but um, you still look at, you know, trying to trot out some of these teams and how they build these, you know, runs that they have, whether it's St. Louis last year or Dallas this year. And it's, you know, it's just sometimes just comes down to a hot goalie or just a one player breaking out or getting on a hot streak. Like if, if Tampa Bay ends up winning it, I think the narrative is much more validated of all right, Tampa, has built a wagon of a team. They've won trades. They've drafted extremely well. Like their, their championship is well-earned. It's been in the foundation for a while. If Dallas joins St. Louis and just is a team that gets hot at the right time, then it's, you know, there's only so much you can do. Like you can put yourself in the best position, but it's sometimes it's just a crapshoot when you get to this point. So what you're saying is it's tough to bet on the future. Uh, uh, but, it, it but I will tell you, if you want to make it easy to bet on the future, go to bet us. Connor, tell the listeners about bet us. Listen up, sports bettors. This is Connor Ryan here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football, basketball, and baseball are all back, and that means it's time to get down your bets. I only endorse one sports book, and that's BetUS.com. Why do you ask? It's because BetUS is the pioneer in online betting with more than 25 years in the business. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity. You need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, 
horses, esports, entertainment, and all kinds of crazy prop bets and futures. No one in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. So go to BetUS.com now and fill out your information. It only takes one minute. When you get to the How Did You Hear About Us box, type in Boston Sports Journal, and you can get up to 150% in bonuses on your first deposit. No one beats that. I bet at BetUS.com, and so should you. Join BetUS today, and don't forget, type in Boston Sports Journal to get up to 150% bonus on your first deposit. That's BetUS.com. BetUS.com, go there. Okay, so one thing that the Stars have, the Bruins have not had much of in, in past years, especially in the postseason, is young scoring. Um, you mentioned it briefly in the previous segment, um, but that is something the Bruins have not had a lot of. You know, right now, you have Rupe Hintz, uh, you have Joel Kivaranta, you have Dennis Gurianov, you have these small, you know, younger guys just pushing on all cylinders for this Stars team. The Bruins, your guys like DeBrusque, Bjork, Stadnika, um, Kuhlman, haven't seen much of the scoring from them in the postseason. More from DeBrusque, uh, but the rest not so much. How – that's also kind of proven that it's a crapshoot because, you know, a lot of these young guys are great. A lot of these young guys are, are, are superb talents. But to find guys who are going to score in the big moments, to score in the postseason – that also seems like kind of a crapshoot. Yeah, I mean, I think you watched the highlights yesterday, and I mean that that Gurianov game winner in overtime, like that lazy he fired in that, like you know, oh. they just didn't have a chance. I was like, oh. I, you know, only like the Bruins had one guy in the middle six that like just had a finish like that of that can score a goal like that. And granted, he's a great talent, but um, you look at just the way Dallas is built, and yeah, you know, they've got these you know savvy or you know established veterans that have you know, definitely kind of pulled on the rope too. Like Jamie Ben has had a really strong postseason for them. I think Joel Pavelski, who started off pretty slow, he's been great in the postseason. But you look at this Dallas team, right? And like Tyler Sagan, I think, has like two goals, only eight points in 20 games for Dallas, right? It's yeah, like, it ha- there hasn't been a lot of production there. And it's like, you just look at like, let's, you know, say it's the Bruins and you're going into a postseason. And if I was to tell you that, you know, Mashand or, or Pasternak were going to have two goals through 20 playoff games, you'd be like, all right, so they, yeah, they're out. Like there's no, unless you know, what, what, what's been going on. You're either winning every game, one, nothing two one or something like that, or something crazy is going on because they just haven't gotten those consistent, you know, offensive contributions from, you know, guys further down in the lineup. So, I mean, as you said, yes, Dallas has helped out by having a, you know, a guy like Haskin and, you know, having a, fantastic postseason but it's you know as you said Rope Hintz has you know I think 11 points this postseason I think Gurionov is right behind Ben in terms of forward scoring for for Dallas so and then as we said Yol Kinvarda like that the just a guy like him stepping in um and again it's not realistic to expect you know a guy like that projects like Kinvarda to score a hat trick in a game seven or anything like that. But you're just seeing some of these younger guys like Hintz, who is 23, Gurionov, who I think is 23, 24, um, step up and really contribute and supplement that scoring. And that's what the Bruins desperately need from a guy like the Brusque or a guy like Anders Bjork, or, you know, even next year looking at probably Stanika and what he could probably bring. Um, and again, some of it's just about the finishing aspect too, right? Like, in that game five against Tampa, that coil line with Bjork and Stanika was everywhere, right? They were getting quality looks all over the ice, but they just weren't able to bury anything. So, 
Um, again, some of that is a crapshoot in terms of, you know, generating those chances and not burying them. I mean, you could say Andre Kasha probably could have had three or four goals this postseason as well, based on the number of looks he had. But sometimes, so yeah, sometimes it just, you know, comes down to a, a loose puck here or there. But I think going forward, you know, yes, I think if the Bruins really want to get that five and five offense jump started, I think they need to go out and get, you know, a more established guy that you don't have to go into this next season, you know, like Akasha, like, well, the metrics look great. So we're really hoping he's going to give us those 20 goals, which if he does, fantastic. But I think you'd rather have a more established guy there that you don't have to worry about. You know, like you can pencil them in for 20, 20 goals and 50 points, right? Well, that seems to be the issue. I mean, the Bruins have a lot of guys who are metrics, you know, favorable, but aren't really results favorable per se. Like we, we, we sit here and say, you know, Coyle, Bjork, Stadnika, what a great line, but there's not a lot of results to show for it in a sense. Right. Like, you know, we saw it, you know, they had great offensive zone time. They cycled the puck well, that, you know, they generated some good scoring chances, but you need the finish. And I feel like, you know, us as analytics guys, you more probably still more than I, um, look at some, you know, look at those guys, you know, Kasha is very favorable to the analytics as well but the results have to come next. And what's funny is the stars are, the analytics don't favor them at all. <laughs> and, and, you know, they were like, screw the analytics after the game. Uh, they have a negative goal differential, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Tyler Sagan after the game was like, if this shows you, as someone mentioned, I think the quote was, you know, or the, the question that the reporter posed to him was they're the first uh, team going to the cup final with a negative goal differential in the playoffs since I think like the 68 blues, which like that, that team out there and like that expansion was just like so under, you know, valued for going into, you know, playing a team like the Bruins or something during the late sixties, early seventies. But um, yeah, Talos Egan was like, yeah, that just shows that, you know, analytics don't matter. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, that really, you know, obscure, you know, taking out of context stat, like goal differential. Like we're not talking about like, you know, Corsi ratings or, you know, puck possession. Like you've been literally been out to score during this postseason. It's not, we're not diving too deep yet, Tyler. Next year, someone has to ask, I don't know, some player on the Bruins, because Cassidy would answer it seriously, but ask someone on the Bruins who, you know, like a Nick Ritchie, and go on like a long diatribe about some in-depth, deep like stat. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I can't think of a, a good specific like random one. Mm-hmm. Just ask like a long question about it and be like, "Yeah, your expected, Nick, your expected goals per sixty was looking pretty good, but you weren't able to bury one, Nick. What? But your expected goals against per sixty in games against the Dallas Stars in Boston and a night game isn't looking too good, Nick. What?" <laughs> What do you have to say about that? Just like have something like what? Yeah, he, exactly. I feel like he he was the he's one of the not so great ones with like the with answers per se. Right. Well, I think even most players don't even like analytics anyway, which like makes sense. I feel like you know the coaches and the obviously the people who run the analytics department of the teams put much more value in it in terms of just adding context. But like Tyler, man, like it's goals. It's goal differential. Like it's a legitimately like the most important part of the game. Like we're yeah, not, we're like not diving scoring too more deep. goals than the other team. Yes. We're, we're not diving too deep here, Tyler. It's before both of our times covering the team, but Lucic was huge in anal- into stats at least. Yes. Not maybe not analytics, so to speak, but stats wise, he was yeah. very like 
knew all the stats. And he was like, you know, I wasn't able to really cover him too much, but you know, from what people were saying, like he was like an almanac too. Like he would just like remember the most obscure stats, like when we just bring them up, like just out of nowhere, like when he was like, you know, just re- talking about a specific player or a game or something like he had a fantastic memory for those things. He did it in the zoom call too. Cause when he gave a drunk toast to, to Thomas, <laughs> Yes. He said his, like all he, like, he recited his stats. It'd be yeah. funny if he like went in depth and was like, yeah, like, you know, I, five on five, like a, a 947 high danger save percentage. <laughs> like he just, he just had, maybe he just had it all like taped out on the wall, but I, it was impressive. Like a guy who was a few, few bottles of wine deep at that point was just, rolling. yeah, not even glasses, bottles. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was such a great time. Um, so yes, stars in the Stanley Cup should be very interesting to watch. Obviously, it's, a, it's an anomaly. Um, sort of a similar situation to last year, where you have the Bruins, you know, last year's Bruins-Blues. Blues were kind of the weird anomaly team in the mm-hmm. Cup, not expected. The Bruins were a team that was expected to go there. They were, you know, favorable contenders. They had, you know, all the stats pointed to them. This year, if the Lightning do win, which I expect them to get to the Cup, sort of the same situation where the Lightning are the team that's favorable and has all the advanced stats on their side and all that stuff. And then you have the Stars on the other side who are not, who are mm-hmm. just a hot team. If it's Lightning Stars, what do you say? What are your predictions? I mean, yeah, it, you could make the argument, right, that Dallas could do the same thing as the Vegas. I think everyone was going into this Western Conference final thinking it was going to be Vegas just has too much firepower. And even though it's a defense first team in Dallas that they weren't able to, you know, just trade punches with them. And we know like more of these younger contributors break out for, for Dallas. And I think in that game one, like Dallas just suffocated Vegas in terms of their scoring chances. I think they had like not to dive into expected goals, but I think Vegas had like a one. How dare you bring up analytics? Yeah. Had a, a 1.01 expected goals rate during five on five play and in, in game one, they weren't generating anything against Hudobin. So I think you look at kind of the way they match up. It could be very, very similar to how the Boston series was, but I mean, who knows, right? Like Tampa's also, Stephen Samco seems like he's back practicing. Maybe he comes back and puts him over the top again. Like, again, Boston last year, you know, had that same very top-heavy offense, especially at five-on-five. Like, we've seen during this series against Boston and against Islands right now, like Tampa can beat you in a whole bunch of different ways. So, I mean, I think it's going to be – it would be a long series if it is, you know, Dallas and Tampa, but – that would be the, the thing, right, is it would be a similar matchup to last year, but it's just Tampa's too good or it's just the pucks more fall their way that they end up just getting past even a team like Dallas that is built for the playoffs. As much as I want the Dallas Stars to win, as much as I want to see Sagan win and Hudobin win, it's the Lightning, man. They are too good. And that's yeah. the thing. Like, that, that team is stacked. That team has way more firepower than you did last year. Um, it, to me, I, I don't see how they lose. I don't. I mean, mm-hmm. they're soft. You know, Kucherov, freaking with that slash on JG Peugeot, which yeah. was just like so on brand. Um, but even with that, I, I maybe don't the maybe the sneakiest, dirtiest player. Which I don't know if it's even sneaky anymore because I think everyone knows it. He doesn't get doesn't get called for it really. You know, he gets suspended yes. for that one game oh, against yeah. Columbus. But like, it's it's like a given thing that you either you know do something that he objects to, or you do enough to frustrate him during a game. He's gonna blow a gasket and he's gonna do some something shitty. Like, yeah, you scored an empty net goal on us when we're down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, he he's always been really annoying, and I think he's a people are getting now on the national stage. You're seeing people understand that he's an a hole. So yeah, um, that is that. Connor, uh, what are you working on at BSJ that people can go look forward to? 
Yeah, I think this week we're going to be focusing a lot on, you know, a lot of the Zoom calls we've been on the last few weeks have been talking about kind of this next wave and the need for the Bruins to have these younger players step up and kind of supplement this scoring and take that next step. So we looked at, you know, a potential top pairing of McAvoy and Matt Grizzlick and how that could look next year for this Bruins team. Again, they have to get bigger on defense, but like you can still, in today's NHL, you can still win with a, a skill heavy kind of pairing like that if you supplement it with other, you know, bigger guys. But so we'll be looking at that. We'll be looking at, you know, the forwards we'll be taking a, a closer look at with, you know, Bjork and DeBrusque, who's obviously going into a pretty pivotal off season. Um, you know, there'll be guys like Stanika and Frederick who could be pushing for spots next year. So a whole bunch of stuff to dive into. So we'll be focusing on that. I'm bostonsportsjournal.com. So subscribe to us over at the site. You can follow me on Twitter at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Do all that. Subscribe over BSJ and make sure to go to BetUS and use uh, the reason that you, that you were sent there, Boston Sports Journal. Connor, as always, this is always fun. Uh, the pizza discussion, I think, will probably rain on for a long time. Uh, but, Connor, again, thank you. Uh, and for all the listeners, have a great rest of your day. Yeah.